Hey there, Normal Cast listeners. Have you ever wondered how that bedraggled, sallow, hunched-over dude you see crawling from his tent every morning manages to magically send 514 by day's end and look like a stud doing it? Well, first of all, he doesn't have a real job. But second, he uses artificial stimulants, a.k.a. caffeine. Now, I can't guarantee that drinking defiant bean coffee will turn you into a 514 climber or make you more attractive. But it will make you feel better about the fact that you're probably never going to climb 514. And thrusting a steamy cup of defiant bean in your tent mate's hand early in the morning will shroud you in a rosy glow. Oh, you're such a good friend. I wish my boyfriend did stuff like this for me, but he doesn't even like to climb. Hmm. So if you want to fill every day with limitless possibilities, at least in your mind, then head over to defiantbean.com and order some fresh roasted, responsibly sourced coffee beans from friend of the show and climber Jeff Hollenbaugh. When you enter Enormo at checkout, you get a discount, and the Enormo cast gets a couple bucks too. So once again, that's defiantbean.com, entry normo at checkout. We gotta get Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? You, you playing here? We're doing the, uh, the Normo Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, big place. That's, that's, that's a big nice. place. You sold oh, it out. You really should. Look, you better get up there before you panic. Those pens are loose. You're very good. I have really enjoyed climbing them with you. We'll make it. I don't think so, but we shall continue with style. Good weather, bad weather. Now or later, anytime for climbing. Hey there, just a little reminder that today's show is brought to you with support from Maxim Ropes. Maxim makes the best ropes on the planet. They will save your life. All right, how do I get this thing started again? Hello and welcome to the Enormacast. This is your host, Chris Caloose. This is episode number 28. It is February 3rd, about 10.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Coming to you from the closet here in Colorado. On today's show... I sit down with Alex Honnold. Yes, that Alex Honnold, the big time. And Alex and I have a nice relaxed conversation, a conversation directed at you guys, core rock climbers, which means we don't have to dance around terms and explain things to the mainstream audience that Alex has been dealing with quite a bit for the last few months. But before we get to that, some enormous cast news. Sometime this week, and I don't know when it happened, I don't know if it was the dark hours of the night or the wee hours of the morning or the lugubrious hours of the afternoon. Somebody at some point pressed download and we hit 100,000 downloads for the Enorma cast, which is pretty exciting. 27 episodes, 100,000 downloads. That's got to mean something, right? In our little community. Anyhow, I'd like to drink to our success. And I do mean us as in you listening and me hosting our success here at the Enormal Cast. As we've hit 100,000 downloads, please remember that this is, in fact, a two-way street, that there are ways for you guys to help out with the Enormal Cast, including donating over at EnormalCast.com, 
Just think, if I'd gotten 10 cents per download, just 10 cents per download, um, I don't know, is that $10,000 or $1,000? How many times is 10 cents? What's 10 cents times 100,000? I don't know. Anyway, you get what I'm getting at. Also, if you want something back for your contribution, consider buying a t-shirt. Go to enormacast.com, click on the t-shirt banner, It'll take you over to this website to buy t-shirts or hoodies. You know, you could start a Little League team called the Enormal Casters. Outfit the whole team with Enormal Cast t-shirts and snarky attitudes. Forfeit your first game by taking the kids climbing and never look back. Anyway, head over to enormalcast.com and click on the Help Out tab to find out what you can do to keep this little community of ours going and growing going and growing. I'm going to trademark that. All right. In other news, I will be leaving for Columbia, the country, not the district of, on Thursday, and I'm going to be gone until the 21st. Now, I know I'm not supposed to tell people that I'm going to be gone because that means you guys can come over and case my house and rip me off. But keep in mind that my intern, Chris Parker, will be here armed and loaded. So he will have a gun and be drunk. So you definitely don't want to mess. But more importantly, I will be disconnecting while I'm there as much as I can from the internets and from posting an episode. So next episode, episode 29, will probably not come out until a little bit later in the month. However, don't think the Enormacast is slipping. It's going strong. I'm just going to take the get out of jail free card and post when I get back. So hopefully I'll bring home something from Columbia. Might be kind of fun another field recording. Anyway, that's it. Let's get on to a conversation with Alex Honold. Alex hung out in my kitchen. He was here for an event that I ended up emceeing, the Five Point Film Festival Aspen program. So we had a nice little conversation, very relaxed, like I said, very directed at you guys who understand climbing a little bit more than some of the people he's been talking to recently. And I think you're going to enjoy it. Even you folks that think they've heard the name Alex Honnold a few too many times in the last six months. Alex is aware of that. He is aware. You're still listening? Enjoy a conversation with the real Alex Honnold. Just doing this last night okay. yeah, for the the AV check thing at the uh, yeah. So I gotta say the guys in Vail were like the most pro audiovisual dudes I've ever seen. Yeah, it's like whoa. These guys should be tight tonight. I mean mm-hmm. the 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 Wheeler tomorrow. has like or tomorrow. Yeah, the Wheeler has a lot of you know band really pro bands. That's cool. The last thing I did was uh was in Bulgaria and it was like a little less pro. You know, oh, it was yeah. like I mean it got done. It was fine, right. but it definitely. Is there anything that you don't want to talk about? No, it's fine. But yeah, I, I mean, would like can, to. Try I mean, to, I'm happy to talk about solar right. and stuff. It's just it's always the same, like kind of cliche questions. Right. Like, have you ever experienced fear? And it's like, yeah, yeah like don't be. You know, it's like <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, um, yeah, I, I would like to make this different. I, I know what you're saying about the media generally kind of being the same. So if people want to hear about that, they can they can listen to you answer that 
lady's questions yeah. on 60 Minutes or whatever. Laura so. Logan. Yeah. What, what's her name? Laura Logan. Laura Logan. Where's her accent from? South Africa. Oh, she's lovely. Exotic. Yeah, 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 she's totally. I'm sure. <laughs> but she's also, she's also married to a contract killer. Uh. So. <laughs> no, straight up. What does he's that a, mean? How do you know that? A, well, he's like ex-military uh he was an ex-military sniper and then oh. like they met in uh in iraq and he was doing like you know undisclosed work for the government sure okay so Perfect. you're like yeah. dude yeah right, exactly right, right. you're like you're like <laughs> yeah that's pretty hardcore can you stop touching my hands please <laughs> yeah no it's great how you guys take the piss out of that in, in the new movie um yeah i have nothing to do with that yeah. stuff that's all just send her like it got a know. great laugh though i saw yeah, the, that totally. at the um i know they did a really good job putting together like a laugh reel yeah you know yeah so it's yeah. good it humanizes you yeah no people are psyched on it yeah well I'm, let me uh obviously i'm sitting here with alex honold in my kitchen we're doing the kitchen recording right now so if there's some background noise it's because there's a pipe factory across the street but <laughs> Whatever, it was a sunny day, and I didn't want to force him to sit in my closet. So anyway, thanks for coming, Alex. Yeah, of course. Uh, I wanted to actually start, we, we were just joking about the 60 Minutes piece. That really is like this thing that has brought you to sort of world attention um, as much as anything. And, and it's funny because, you know, as climbers, it's almost like sometimes I think people almost feel like you belong to us. And, and once that stuff gets out there, we're sort of like, you know, well, what do mainstream people know about climbing? And they're just like yeah, yeah. dumbing it down and that sort of thing. But I would, I did want to talk to you about maybe a little bit about the behind the scenes of doing that piece. Like how, how does something like that even get on your plate? So you want the full story of 60 minutes? Yeah. I, mean, I, can, I can give you the unabridged. Yeah. So the producer for the 60 minutes piece is kind of an amateur climber. This guy, Jeff, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, he's kind of psyched on it. And actually some friend of his saw alone on the wall, like the first climbing documentary with me and, uh, and told him, like, oh, you should do a story on this guy. And so then he watched it, and he was like, oh, this is rad. Like, we should mm-hmm. do a story on this guy. And then he actually said that he had to pitch it to his bosses, like, over and over, because they were like, no, rock climbing, like, not psyched, whatever. But so then he um, he wound up taking all the YouTube footage and whatever he could find on the internet and basically cutting his own little piece mm-hmm. to be like, look, this is what he does. And then he showed his bosses, and then they were like, oh, yeah, let's do a story. Like, sounds right. good. You know, and so then uh, he got a hold of me, and then we did a story. Right. It was fun. Yeah, so you guys, I mean, you're in the studio. Where where was the studio stuff shot? Oh, the studio was shot in the Iwani in Yosemite. Oh, really? I mean, the whole the whole sixty minutes thing was like a five day shoot in Yosemite. Okay, so um, you know, they had their light and sound crew. I well, their their crew was one guy for each. You know, uh-huh. they actually had a really small crew, and they all just they were really good at what they did. And they mm-hmm. just like they took one of the conference rooms in the Iwani and just. When I walked into the room, it looked like a space station or something. There were cables everywhere. There were lights everywhere. Right. Like they're super, super dialed. And then, then uh, there were all these monitors because the producer and the uh, associate producer, or whatever, or assistant producer, whatever they're called, can uh, listen mm-hmm. on headphones mm-hmm. and like it's all wired together. I was like, oh my god, you know, it's it's a pretty hardcore scene. Yeah, but um, they're they're really really dialed. Uh-huh. Was, they were pretty cool to work with actually. Yeah, I mean it, that's that's amazing because it looks like you're in some studio somewhere in you know New York. Yeah, I mean it's a nice building, like you know. It's yeah. nice, uh, of course. But uh, but yeah, they you know I mean they had a whole like truck full of lighting equipment and mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. I think the light guy maybe drove up from L.A. or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was it was a pretty legit shoot. So what's your concept of of the reach of that thing? I mean, are you kind of have you been surprised by it? Have well, you been aware okay, so it? like uh, it's funny you say that. So the producer at the time when he was kind of courting me, you know, mm-hmm. like trying to sell this project to me. He was like, 60 minutes will change your life. And I was like, whatever. You know, every film person says like that this is going to be the best film ever, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, whatever you say, you know. But um, but I was like, oh, it's just cool. You know, we'll do it. And so we shot the 60 minutes thing. 
and it kind of has been out of control. Like it kind of has changed my life because uh, they aired it three times in the season that mm-hmm. we shot it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, each audience was like 18 million people or something. So it's like roughly 60 million people watched it. Right. Or 54 or whatever. But, um, and then they just resold it to Showtime for like some 60 minute sports segment. So it just got shown again. And then it's like touring with stuff and, you know, and then not to mention all the views on the internet and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I watched yeah. it this morning. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, <laughs> it's kind of out of control. I was like, whoa, a lot of people saw 60 minutes. Yeah. And it's just such a reputable news organization that, mm-hmm. um, that now other people are like, oh, he was profiled by 60 minutes. He must be legit. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask you kinda... that. Like what kind of doors is it open? It's hard to say, you right. know, because you never really know. Like, it definitely has brought me to the attention of a lot of people who mm-hmm. otherwise would have no idea what climbing is. Well, they probably still have no idea what climbing actually uh-huh. is, but at least they know, like, what I like to do. You know, yeah, I mean, it's hard to judge, but for sure, you know, since 60 Minutes, I've gotten way more, like, speaking offers and just film things. And, I mean, yeah, everything has just escalated. Yeah, yeah I mean, well, that's, here, that's why we bought a smartphone. Here's the pain in the ass part of it, is that because of that, every person like me who climbs <laughs> yeah. has had to sit and explain to their grandmother, like, whether or not I do that or whether yeah, I yeah. climb without a rope or whether, like, yeah, I'm sure, I'm, like... <laughs> thousands of climbers have had to sit there with I know Uncle I feel, Jimmy I feel bad like... for like you know and I mean it's like in the 60 minutes interviews and everything mm-hmm. I, I mean I always go out of my way to explain that I climb with sure. a rope 99% of the time and that that's just kind of special occasion and blah 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 but obviously all that stuff gets edited out you sure. know? yeah because exactly. they're like because you know they're like this is gonna be badass right, like we yeah. don't want them explaining that this is actually just you know every once in a while yeah know? it's like that that but, guy that had to wear his little harness when he crossed the yeah well Linda. yeah so i've been getting talks about tv <laughs> things like that like same kind of like tv specials right, whatever right. and um yeah i mean it's all just like a whole new world you know i'm mm-hmm. like yeah it's kind of hardcore yeah i mean the the reach of it is you know, like I said, I was kind of curious because I, I'm a, I'm a, a house painter or a painter and mm-hmm. I've been working on this job site down in, uh, in Glenwood and there's this kind of cool general. He's, he's good old boy, hunter, fisher, mm-hmm. like, you know, and somebody said, oh yeah, that dude over there is a climber or whatever. And, and that was the first thing he said. He's like, oh man, have you seen this thing on 60 minutes? Like the last guy in the world that would normally know anything about climate. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, so it just is like, it's just, everywhere. I think it's just it's because trip. all the soloing stuff is just so easily understood by the, by the general public. Absolutely. You know, you just see one photo and you're like, Whoa, that's mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. You know? And so I think it's just had a broad, broad reach, I guess. Yeah. It's great. I mean, but, and I watched it again this morning and it's really, it, it is a well done piece. I mean, yeah. they did, they did well and, it's, and they didn't even overstate anything really. No. I mean, they didn't, well, John Long obviously yeah, sounds was a little like, over the top, but, uh, but, but he's great. And everybody yeah. who knows him, yeah. knows of him was just like, yeah, that's the guy. You yeah. Know, like, but I mean, but the actual news program, like they didn't oversell it at all. You know, they didn't try to make it sound rad. They just were like, this is what he does and here's how it looks. And there you go. I, I don't and actually, I, I really appreciated that. Yeah. I was like, because a lot of news organizations are like, as he conquers the mountain, you know, like extreme mm-hmm. and you're like, whatever, you know, cause that's not like real climbing, but mm-hmm. I think they did a really good job of like, you know, keeping it like legit. Yeah. I mean, I guess like, uh, uh, what's the gal's name again? Laura Logan. Yeah. Laura Logan. I mean, she's, she's been in places like Afghanistan like, yeah, and Iraq and yeah, yeah. So, I mean, she's seen gnarly things go down and I mean, yeah, she's, she's super professional. Journalist. Right. I mean, right. She's really good at what she it's does. It's not like you're going to blow her mind too hard, you know? No, totally. Yeah. She yeah. like, this was a vacation trip for her sure. you know, to come to Yosemite and like watch some climbing. She was like, Oh, this is mellow. You yeah. Know? Stay in the water. There are no What's bombs. Nobody's getting, no, right. we, we no didn't say in the water. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. But yeah, well, you know, we'll, we'll move on from that, but it, it's, it's definitely, I think a, a thing that 
probably everybody's been curious about just kind of like, well, what does it even mean for a climber to go to that level? Cause it, it happens. Like it seems like every once in a while somebody pops up, but I don't think anybody's sort of popped up this way into the mainstream that you're working with now. I mean, yeah, it's weird. Huh? Esquire <laughs> magazine. Isn't that right? Yeah. The, yeah. Esquire, the, Esquire UK, like yeah, German playboy, right, like all yeah. these random. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of ladies with that picture pinned up on the wall. <laughs> oh no, that's uh that's ESPN. Oh, ESPN. Yeah. The body right. shot. Yeah. Very yeah, good. Classic. Very well done. Very well done. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks. So, um, yeah. So within that sort of uh, that vein of questioning, I mean, are we going to see some sort of, uh, you know, Lindsay Lohan moment? Like, how is this sort of a wardrobe malfunction? Yeah, <laughs> gonna, or just like yeah. going off the rails, you know, driving your Ferrari off of the PCH or whatever. I mean, there's this classic story of these things that happen that do change your life, as you just said a few mm-hmm. minutes ago. Like, are you monitoring that? Are you like at all concerned about? You're, you walked in here like, oh, I'm pretty frazzled from all these, these speaking things I've been doing the last couple of days. Yeah, like, it's just because it's been real tight yeah. back to back. Where, where are you with all that stuff? Like, It's hard to say. Well, so I bought a smartphone to like okay. help manage all this yeah, kind of well stuff done. so I can like keep on top of things a little mm-hmm. better. Though it's always hard to say because the more you keep on top of it, the more that happens. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then the more that happens, the more you got to deal with the kind of snowballs, you know? Right. Because like if I just don't respond to emails, then people stop emailing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but... uh. But it's tough, you know, because I feel like I have to take advantage of all the opportunities and like, you know, do as much as I can and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What, so what exactly? Are you- well, I just, you know, like when, when I do read about the way you talk about climbing and the way you talk about free soloing, you know, all these levels of concentration. And, you know, one of the things in that piece in Rock and Ice that that actually went all the way through it. And, and I'm talking about um, a column that that Alex wrote. What was it last year for mm-hmm. Rock and Ice magazine? That one of the things that flows through that is this idea of people watching you or people being around and mm-hmm. you're really in that you admit to be very effect, very affected by that in different ways. Sometimes yeah, you yeah. think it's cool. Sometimes you think it's, it's weird. Actually, and, generally, I think it's weird. Right. And so I don't know if here's I this place it, in your life where like we're all watching. I mean, in, in, yeah, but the thing with... Um with so long and rock climbing, I mean, if I want to go out and climb by myself, I can mm-hmm. just climb by myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I want somebody to film it, then I can invite them to. Sure. And, you know, but it's not like, it's not like camera crews are just following me uninvited. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah, which, I mean, that would be messed up. Right. But thankfully that doesn't exist in climbing. Yeah. Well, so. I guess I was curious if, <clears throat> if your personality, like if you're, if your personality is expressed in your climbing in that way and that, so yeah, I don't necessarily think or wonder if there's people sneaking around taking pictures of you <laughs> or shooting you, but but just you seem in that actually, you, I guess you say that you actually in there are, are um, painfully shy. Well, I, I certainly was when I was like yeah. 19. Now okay. I'm obviously less so. Yeah. So, but, I mean, um, have you grown into that a little bit more? Yeah, I think. I mean, a lot of the a lot of things just change as you grow older and stuff, too. You know, obviously I mature a bit and I just, mm-hmm. you know, get a little more normal. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was younger, I was like much more tweaky about that kind of stuff. Right. Like, oh, God, people. I don't know. Right. You know, whereas now I can just kind of relax and like, though, actually. So just recently, it's funny you mentioned that. In um, Petrara Chico this winter, um, I wanted to go solo this uh, this twenty pitch twelve A called the uh, Time Wave Zero. Okay, and um, it's kind of a classic. It's like mostly super super easy, like mostly five eight with like one pitch of five eleven, one pitch of twelve A. Like it's pretty mellow. I was like, oh, it'll be a fun little adventure. And then the hike off of it would be a total adventure because you have to scramble this ridge. And you know, I was like, oh, this is gonna be a really fun like soloing adventure. And then I hike up there. And there was a there was a party already on it, like right at the five eleven pitch, like right off the ground. And I was like, oh, I don't want to solo this with like two dudes just watching me do like the first, you know, thing. So I was like, well, and I like wandered off into the forest for a bit. Well, the cactuses for like, yeah, right. you know, for like twenty five minutes to like wait for them to get a little higher. 
But then when I wandered back, now there were like two or three parties in this little sport climbing cave, which is right next to the base. And there was a party at the base of the route, like racking up to go climb. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh man, you know, I was like, no, I'm extra hosed. And so I almost just bailed on it. I was almost like, ah, but then I was like, that's so lame. Cause I do want to climb it. Sure. And I don't want to just like not get to climb it just because I'm afraid of like passing people. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I actually just like went up to the base and was like, Hey guys, you know, do you mind if I climb through whatever? And they were like, Oh, you know, obviously they're like, whatever you think, you know, like huh. go big. But then the dude, like, you know, he was taking like GoPro footage of me, like climbing the first couple pitches. And then when I passed the, t- the party of two guys up higher, you know, they were like taking photos and video the whole time. You know, I was kind of like, oh, that is kind of weird to be like performing for an audience like that. But I mean, I did want to climb the route and it'd be kind of lame to like not get to climb it just because I'm like, don't want to see people, you know? Well, does it intrude on your concentration? I don't know. I guess a little bit. I mean, certainly at the bottom, I mean, I was mindful of the fact that people are like watching me. Sure. I was like, oh, that's weird. But, um, but I mean, I did climb well. I felt, I felt good on it and I just kind of romped through, you know? Yeah. But the thing is, that's kind of like a recreational route for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't want to do something like cutting edge when sure. there are like a bunch of people with GoPros standing there, you know? Right. Like, that would be, like, I don't know if I could deal. You know? Sure, sure. Because yeah, you probably get this feeling that there was almost this morbid fascination with it. Yeah, and, and just, I don't know. And the thing is, I mean, I want to feel totally comfortable backing down and not feel like people are judging me. Like, basically, or I want to feel comfortable just hanging out at the crux for 10 minutes while I like think about it or while I've whatever touch the holds or, you know, whatever it takes to climb it. You know, I don't want to feel like that, that pressure or whatever that, you know, all people are watching and they expect you to do this, you know, like whatever. Yeah, right. A technical question. How'd you get down from that? Oh, it's actually kind of cool. Um, I did this like kind of extreme ridge traverse to get okay. over to the top of the mountain. And then there's like this uh, hiking trail. Oh, wow. Sort of. Yeah, I was curious because I've been down there and I know most of those <clears throat> don't really top out anywhere. No, yeah. Normally you would repel the route, but right. um, but with some like extreme traversing, it was actually kind of cool. Yeah, right it, on. Uh, I think it took me like an hour and a half, an hour 45 to climb the route. And then it took me like two and a half to get back right. off it. You yeah. know, but it was well, cool. yeah, I mean, aside from like the mainstream attention, I mean, you're ultra famous within climbing world so you know when you rock up i'm sure everybody's heads turn you know yeah no it is kind of out of control a little bit but that's all right well i actually did have a question and i guess you sort of answered it about climbing through people on on routes when i was a guide back in ss park you know i'd be guiding on a lot of these really easy routes and so dudes and girls and whoever would come romping past resoloing you know and which would always super freak out my my uh, clients. clients although yeah. they think it was kind of cool too yeah uh, sometimes it would happen and i wouldn't be there i'd be like up hiding yeah. leading up. the next pitch around the corner i'd hear them talking to someone and i'd mm-hmm. like kind of peek around and there you know steph davis would be there huh. like cruising past but that's cool you know i as most people most guys anyway dabbled in free soloing and the just the feeling of being close to other people always freaked me out just because it was like this weird feeling of like, well, what, what are they going to do? You know, uh, that doesn't bother me no. so much. Yeah. I mean, I've passed obviously lots of right. parties <laughs> over the, yeah, clearly, over the years and, uh, yeah. and yeah, I mean, it's okay. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously I'd prefer to have a route totally to myself mm-hmm, mm-hmm. though. Honestly, sometimes it's nice to see some people chat a little bit, you right. know, small talk and like, it's no problem. Well, it's I'd... funny you said that though, because actually on really easy routes, like full on beginners are often less friendly and just more afraid in general. You know, whereas when I pass people on hard routes, like on the Rostrum and Astroman, some of the harder stuff in Yosemite, mm-hmm. when you pass parties, they're like, whoa, cool. Like, have a good day, you know? They're just like kind of psyched for you. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes when you pass beginners who are like on their second route ever, they're like so gripped for their own safety that sure. when they see you, they're like, oh my God, what are you doing? This is, you know, and you're like, whoa, dude, calm down. <laughs> like, 
Don't you know, move. And well, calm down. yeah, and the thing is, I want to be like, <laughs> look, I'm for sure safer doing this without a rope than you are doing it with a rope. You right. know what I mean? You're like, just chill out. Like, it'll be fine. You know? Yeah. No, but, I, I've on this show even I've commented how there's this there's this world in beginner to like early moderate climbers that they they, they definitely are uptight, a little over tense. Yeah, yeah. And, and about you passing, you know, with a rope on or any of those sorts of things. You know, yeah, they can be like they, actually. Yeah. So it's funny. I, uh, Serenity Suns and you sent me this classic mm-hmm. eight pitch ten D. I passed a party on a five ten pitch while soloing. Well, I caught up to a guy in the anchor and I was kind of like, oh, you mind if I just go through? And um, the guy was like, no, no, no. You know, but I don't think he realized that I didn't have a rope or a harness, you know? You <laughs> said no. Like, yeah, that's the thing. So he's like, he's like, no, you know, like you can't, whatever. You know, I mean, I was kind of asking out of politeness because like sure. I was going to climb gonna through. Climb like through. I'm not just going to hang there off two hand jams next to him at the anchor while he like hangs there, you know? So I was kind of like, like, really? You don't want me to go through it? So I just kind of like kept coming up. And then he was like, oh, you know, he realized that I don't have a rope on. Right. And he's like, oh, Jesus, like, what are you doing? You know? And I was like, okay, see you later. And just kind of climbed through him. Right, you know, but he had a yes. chip on his shoulder. He was prepared to be like, okay, here comes. Well, this he guy. was probably yeah. just, yeah. I mean, he probably just doesn't want somebody to like yeah. slow them down or sure, whatever. Sure. And I was like, don't worry, dude. I will not slow you down. Like, it's fine. But That's whatever. Awesome. That's yeah. Well, I'd be remiss to to not um, tell you that that my good friend Steve Denny will be at the party tonight. Yeah, cool. Who was uh, who was instrumental? Oh in yeah, your, yeah, with the nose, yeah, with the chalk bag. Triple, <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, I've met I've met probably half of his friends like right all on. over the West yeah. Coast. Yeah, I mean, I meet people everywhere who's like, hey, my friend loaned you his chalk bag right. on the nose. Like, he must tell that story all <laughs> well, the time. Well, he told it on the show. Oh, okay, Yeah, so okay. that was one thing he did. But okay. it was hilarious. He, he's, he was super stoked on the whole thing. Yeah. And, no, but anyway, I just... Um, it's funny because I, I, I will not remember him by sight or his partner, you know, because it was dark mm-hmm. and whatever. But I remember their chalk bag perfectly. It was like it was like this evolved thing with a with the super soft, like nice chalk. And I was yeah. like, oh, this is such a good chalk bag. Yeah. It was like it was really helpful actually. Just to review but, uh Alex Forgata's chalk bag on the, the nose segment yeah. of the triple. While soloing the nose yeah. through the night. Yeah. And it was actually wet too. The right, bottom right. was pretty wet. Right. Though by the time I got to them on pitch eight, like I was kind of through most of the wetness. Mm-hmm. But still I was like, Thank God I have a chalk bag now. Another little technical question. When you do that route as a solo, how many pitches are you breaking out a rope on? Uh, so there are two pendulums on the bottom, four mm-hmm. pitches. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then there's uh, another pendulum getting over to the stove legs, and then there's the king swing. So I do like four pendulums, and then I rope solo up to the boot, which is I rope solo maybe 15 feet of aid climbing sure. to get to the boot because it's really thin aid climbing, so right. it's just kind of... And Instead also of because, clipping piece to piece, so you're yeah, exactly. Using a rope because belay. the pieces right. are so thin. Yeah. And the one, the thing is, since your only rope's only 15 feet, because uh-huh. it's a bolt ladder that ends at this little aid section. So I sure. just tie off the last two bolts. I aid 15 feet. I lower off a number one. I clean my anchor and then I solo it. Okay. So it's um, you know, it's really easy to rope solo like right. a 15 foot section. And then I also do that same technique at the top of the uh, great roof. I rope solo like a 20 foot section. Right. Maybe a 30 foot section, but then of the upward driven. Yeah, pins of the, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Sure. But actually, um, doing the, doing the great roof, I actually free sold the whole bottom, which I was like, this is pretty heroic. Cause it's like finger locking up the bottom of the great roof. It's like five eleven fingers. Right. And then, um, and then I switched to kind of daisy soloing where I'd pull on gear and uh-huh. I was clipped into things. And then when I got to the actual roof part, I actually rope sold it. I built a little anchor and then traversed sure. across. Sure. But, that um, makes me feel better, Alex. Yeah, Cause for me in, in, 3.0 the movie mm. like really the most terrifying things to watch are you swinging around on those pins on the daisies like <laughs> on uh, on watkins yeah like yeah yeah all the free soloing aside yeah that's that's amazing and scary but <laughs> yeah having been an aid climber for so long and i'll tell you what really like just 
kind of made my skin crawl is that is that when you then switch to free soloing is the fact that the daisies are flopping around by your feet. It's funny. Like, a lot that of drives people, me crazy. A lot of people say life. that because they're yeah. like, well, a lot of people are like, how do you not step on your daisies? How do you not whatever? Though my answer is kind of like, no matter what's hanging below me, I'll, I always carefully place my feet. Right, right. So like, it doesn't really matter if there's a little bit of extra stuff there because either way, I'm like consciously placing my foot carefully. Yeah, absolutely. So like, you know. I wasn't necessarily like, like thinking yeah. like you would ever step on it. I just know the feeling of like no, I mean it annoys me too. Like, but the thing is, I just can't. I practically can't clip off my daisies back and forth all the time. So I it's just I just yeah. leave them dangling. You yeah. know, that whole but, section of that that climb is yeah, it's pretty astounding. You know, yeah, I was so, like, yeah, I was pretty psyched on that. Yeah, Watkins. Yeah, totally. I yeah. mean, but you know, and like those pins are upwardly driven. It's in. funny you say that. So there yeah. was um that pitch normally is a. Uh, like, you know, C2 or something, you get up to the, there are three upward driven pins that were equalized as an anchor. Mm-hmm. And then that was a pendulum point for aid climbers to swing over. Sure. And so Tommy Caldwell and I had like freed the triple a couple of weeks before. And when we did it, there were three upward driven pins. And then when I went back to, um, uh, cause I actually, I soloed that by myself, uh, like five days before doing the triple just sure. to like learn how. And then I did the actual triple. And so when I soloed it, one of the pins had fallen out and there were now two pins upward driven and mm-hmm. there's still an anchor and the other pin is just dangling there below. And I was like, well, that's sketchy. And then when I soloed it in the triple, there was only right. one pin left and there were two dangling. And I was really? like, yeah, it's fucked up. So I was <laughs> like, totally messed up. Yeah. You so think I was they like, just came out? Um, like no, well, no, there was a party in between. I, I don't know about between t- t- when Tommy and I did it and uh-huh. when I soloed it, but it was like a two week gap. So, I mean, I'm sure somebody climbed it. And then I know there was a party that went in between um, when I sold it the first time and sold it the second time because I passed them on the hike. You know, there were these two Europeans who were like, oh, we right. go aid climbing, you know. And uh, yeah, but basically I was like, well, those pins aren't so good, you know. No, I mean, and now like, did you, you, you can see in the footage, you yeah. can see this pin just dangling right, there. Right, right. And um, there's some of that footage is from the first attempt and some is right. from the second. Uh-huh. But anyway. Well, yeah, that, like I said, having been an aid climber and, and knowing that, I probably shouldn't even put this in your head, but too bad. <laughs> that all that, the gear is terrible. <laughs> well, no, just that that sudden feeling of something pulling when you are like hanging on it, like it's no. I mean, I mean I've, I've taken eight falls too, you know. Yeah. But because you're you just know. like one second you're like dandy, and all of a sudden it's yeah. just like clink, and you're all of a, anyway. Though the thing is that doesn't generally happen on like C one with good cams. No, it you know? does not. So it's like it does not. You know. So well, I, yeah. But, I'm not and, well, and the other thing too is that your um, sanity too well, yeah, many yeah. times in this. No, but the uh, no, it's fine. But uh. The thing with the daisy soling is that people might not think about is that for the most part, I'm still holding on with one hand and I still have both my feet on the wall. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like aid climbing where you're fully in an aider and you're like tensioning on the piece as hard as you can. Sure. For the most part, I'm holding the piece with my hand mm-hmm. and it's probably taking like less than a, a quarter or a third of my body weight. Right. It's like my another feet are still hold. on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, not only are the gear placements pretty good, but I'm also like not really yarding on them that hard. Well, you can tell, so like, you know, the difference between... <clears throat> When you're on those pieces and when you hit a bolt. Yeah. And those new bolts, you're just like, okay, I'm good. Yeah, when I'm on a good bolt, I just relax and I hang on my daisy. But when I've got like a nest of bad gear, I'm all like, oh, God, like keep foot jamming, you know, because this is scary. Yeah. When I just said like, oh, maybe I shouldn't say this, that that actually brought up this other question I wanted to ask you about. Um, I had a discussion one, one night about free soloing in general and... You know, I used you as an example, not very specifically because I don't know you that well, although we we did meet quite a few years ago. But yeah. just as and, and I had said at that time, I said, yeah, he's pretty young. And, you know, I haven't seen a lot of writing yet from him or any sort of like a lot mm-hmm. of discussion about what his his process is. Now, in 
even since then, that was just a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. you've definitely opened up a lot. Like that piece mm-hmm. I said in Rock and Ice, you're forced to talk about it with me. You're for you Yeah, know. I mean, pretty much and, every time I do an event, I talk about it. Yeah, know, and I'm process. curious, like, I wonder if he's in a place yet to where he's self-reflecting all that much. Mm-hmm. And I think that was not spot on. I mean, but, that's, that's but actually that article, a, like... That's a fair question, though, yeah. for, you know, if you were talking about it like four years ago, because mm-hmm. obviously, like... I've learned a lot over the years and Mm -hmm. you know, me soloing now is a lot different than me soloing like six years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, obviously I've, I've learned as I go too. Sure. You know, well, I think, I think I'm a lot more reflective about it all now than I was. Well, I guess that's my question really is that, is there, are there times that maybe that self-reflection becomes a feedback loop that gets inside your head and you mean you you start to tweak out a little bit? Yeah. Um, maybe a little bit. I mean, if you're constantly like questioning your motives, like, well, why do I want to do this? Mm -hmm. Like, Oh, I don't know. Because there's definitely a simplicity to like five, six years ago when I would just look at something and be like, that's rad. I'm going to solo it. Sure. You know, and like not worry too much about how or what or why. Whereas like now I know that, you know, I can look at something and be like, that's amazing. I'd love to solo it. But then I'm like, oh, do I have to like, you know, or why do I want to like, you know, I know that it'll create some kind of crazy like, you know, whatever. It'll be over the top. Mm -hmm. And then that people want me to do it again to film it and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, you know, and it becomes like this this like cumbersome thing sure whereas before it was just you know completely unreflective about it just like this is rad i'm gonna do it right that's it well and that's a big thing in kind of the previous writing and thoughts and mythology around free soloing like with backer and with croft is this idea of purity or this idea of motives always is is a is a question or or a a thing that does come up Mm -hmm. too you know and everybody's always been curious like well when does it become you know, like you just said, like you start well, to say, I think, well, what yeah, am I I'm doing? Star- I'm starting to experience yeah. that, uh, you know, when I have to really like reflect on my motives a little, sure. maybe not my motives, but I mean, something like the triple, I was just like, this is rad. I'm going to do this, but it also fit in well with like, you know, it's one of those things that's easy for them to film and it goes well with doing the, the free triple with Tommy, which was something right. else that I was really psyched about. And obviously both of those were a really good way to get in shape to try to do the nose record with Hans. Like basically all my goals kind of went well together and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is sweet, you know? And it went well with filming, and so I just packaged it all together into this cool little worked out nicely. Yeah, but, totally. Well, I don't know, like, let's let's move a little bit away, <laughs> I guess, from from free song, but stick with just just pure climbing. One of the things that I guess is is uh, the hidden lead or the buried lead is that you're an also also a really good rock climber. One of the other things I saw early of you, or not too long ago, I'm, I love crack climbing, mm-hmm. desert crack climbing. So I watched um, the thing on No Way Jose. Yeah. And I just love the contrast between that and like Pee Wee's video of that. And I love. I haven't seen Pee Wee's oh, video. Oh, you haven't? Okay. Well, Pee Wee Willette. He's, Does it look really extreme? Well, he's a really good, good buddy of mine. Yeah, he's and, a good friend of mine, too. Yeah. So right. it's just the, the amount of work that he puts into it. It's mm-hmm. admirable. He's an amazing crack climber. And then, then there's the video of you on-siting it, mm-hmm. if I'm not, not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. And it looks so easy for you. Like, Well, I mean, part of that has to do with finger size and stuff for cracks, obviously. Okay. Though, I'll, I'll say for No Way Jose, I don't think my fingers actually helped that much. Right. Because the bottom was real tight for me. And right. then the top was sort of like, okay. Right. And then at the very top, is this rad two-finger pocket that I mm-hmm. use. And I was like, this is even crack climbing. I'm pulling on pocket, which right. was pretty cool. That alone is newsworthy, you know, not necessarily newsworthy in the greater scheme, but for climbers. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I guess I have this kind of weird question. In your mind, is there something that makes you different about your approach? Or is it two-fifths natural ability, three-fifths work? I mean, what have you ever self-reflected on that? No, I don't really think about that stuff too like, much. Could I you mean, write I a think... book about how to be rad? 
No. <laughs> if I could, I'd be a lot more rad, you know, right. like for sure. But no, I don't, I don't think that there's that much like natural ability. I think it's mostly just, I mean, I've climbed a bajillion pitches of crack sure. and I mean, and, and also I sport climb a lot and I have like a fairly high level fitness. And so mm-hmm. I think more than a lot of crack climbers, you know, I bring like this sport fitness, you know, and then, but then more than most sport climbers actually know how to crack climb well. But the thing is to me, it all is just rooted in the fact that I've done a bajillion pitches of climbing, okay. you know, like, cause I love, or at least I used to love like easy soloing, like mileage and all that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, so my first trip to the Creek, I climbed, uh, I climbed like five or six days on before I got to the Creek in different places in Utah as we were road tripping. Sure. And then I got to the Creek and climbed 10 days on uh-huh. like, you know, my first 10 days of the Creek. And they were all like pretty big days, you know, we're like, you know, on siding like eight new pitches of like, you know, up to 12 plus type stuff. And I was like super, super psyched you know, and then kept going. But anyway, like that block of like visiting Utah was like 17 days on of like climbing as much as I could every sure. day. You know and I mean? I think that kind of thing just gives you like kind of a base for, you know, right. you're like, well, now I know how to crack climb. Sure. You know? So you're accusing me of being lazy. Yes. Right. I'm accusing everyone of being lazy. <laughs> Unless you have climbed 17 days on. Right. And you are not. No, no I don't know. I'm no, just I'd, saying. Be a, my, I'd be a bloody stump <laughs> if I climbed 17 yeah. days on in Indian <laughs> Creek. So good yeah. on you. I Actually, mean, no, I will say. So when you're talking about natural ability or talent or sure. whatever, I think that the one thing is that I have really good skin. Like, okay. That um, I think I'm just kind of lucky that I, I don't really tear. I basically never get gobies. So huh. I can do like 10 days of the Creek and it's fine. You know, like it doesn't hurt my skin. Jeez, I've never heard anybody say anything like that. That's I amazing. Know. I mean, well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if that's really like a, a natural gift or not, right. but it just seems that like, I don't know. So Tommy and I did the triple. Sure. And um, I mean, to be fair, he was coming from like Malta where he'd been climbing sea cliffs and his skin was all shot from the ocean. Mm-hmm. And I was coming from Morocco where I'd been climbing like sharp limestone big walls. So my sure. skin was really good. Mm-hmm. But when we did the triple, like his hands, his fingertips looked like, like cherry tomatoes. They all looked like they were about to just burst. Like, they were just purple, like, splotches of, you know, I was like, dude, your fingers look horrible. And then, like, halfway up El Cap, his uh, his pinky actually did just pop. Ugh. And then uh, and then for the whole rest of the triple, like, every left handhold had, like, a spot of blood on it, you know, from his pinky just, like, seeping. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, whereas I finished the triple and my skin was, like, basically fine. And uh, I took a rest day and then I climbed the next two days after that, mm-hmm. you know. Actually, I sold the West Face two days later. So, um, the West Face El Cap. But, um, you know, I was like, oh, my skin's pretty okay, you know, like not so bad. Mm-hmm. So I think that has allowed me to maybe climb more and therefore, you know, learn more about climbing, whatever. Right. Well, I don't know what your inner world's like, but I mean, you, you come across as a pretty humble guy. You know, you're sort of deflecting my, uh, you know, accusations of, of accusations. being better than everybody else. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. you know, clearly you've taken this climbing thing to a level nobody else has done before. I mean, that, I that's one so. of the things in the 60 minutes. Like that, that's a, you know, it's a pretty, pretty special thing. The thing is that when I go sport climbing, mm-hmm. I'm never the best sport climber sure. at the crag. And when I go bouldering, I'm like not even an inter- intermediate right. boulder. You know, like I pretty much suck at bouldering right. compared to like everybody else nowadays. And, you know, I don't know how to ice climb. I can't climb mountains. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like all I have is this one little niche in climbing. Sure. And people are like, oh, you're so amazing. But nobody else does it at all. You know what I mean? It's not because I'm amazing. It's because nobody else even plays mm-hmm. the sport. You know, like it'd be like being the best basketball player because nobody else even plays the game right you, know, you show up on the court by yourself and you're like i dunk i dunk i dunk you're like oh i'm so rad because nobody else is playing you know right so like that's the thing with a lot of my like solos and speed climbing mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff is like no one else is even playing the game so it's easy to be like the sure. best sure you know? the thing is all it's going to take is like one young person to be like real motivated mm-hmm. and just to go out and repeat all the same stuff you know because mm-hmm. i mean 
most of the things that I've soloed and all these kinds of things, you know, they're only like 5'10", 5'11". I mean, it's not like cutting edge climbing. It's sure. just that, you know, I mean, basically anyone who was like super motivated for it could do it. Right. But it's just that nobody else is psyched on that kind of thing. So, right. whatever. Right. Well, yeah, yeah you know, I mean. Uh, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. Well, let's move a little bit away from climbing. One, uh, one of the things I'm also uh, one of your many fans on Facebook, and it seems to me that you use a lot of your posts on there uh, to talk about other things in climbing, you know, other things that are important to you. Well, I try to balance it, you know, yeah. because I don't want to alienate everybody by sure. just talking about like environmental stuff. Right. <laughs> but yeah. like, well, the, then let me ask you about this atheism thing. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, because you just that said much, that we're using you know? the word alienating. People. Yeah, exactly. I was like, well, you're pretty good at it. In other spots <laughs> yeah, exactly. too, so. yeah. But it's, it's interesting to me because it's, it's, you know, when people talk about like getting along with everybody, you know, you don't talk about politics, you don't talk about religion. But it seems to be something that's important to you enough to have filmed a small video about it, to have put up some posts. And just a little perspective, when I saw one of your early posts about having been involved in, I believe it was a book. Um, yeah, the Atheist Book Project. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, all those posts stem from that one book project. Okay, yeah. So, you know, and it was one of the early ones, and I happened to see it, and it, it caught my interest because, again, like usually we're climbers, we're just like, yeah, I yeah, climb yeah. this, I climb that. I'm like, wow, this is pretty deep. Also stemming from what I kind of, you know, conjectured about you earlier about like, wow, I wonder how much self-reflection he has. So Mm -hmm. the thing that was really interesting, though, is then to see all the responses. All the people debating like the existence of God on my Facebook page. One thing that struck me, and, and maybe this, I only sampled it, and so maybe I'm off base with that, is that there was a lot of people who became very concerned for your soul. And we're very, and we're fairly no, it upset. Split, it was split probably like 60, 40 or maybe 70, mm-hmm. 30, probably 60 or 70% of the people were like climbers and like atheists mm-hmm. or like agnostic, whatever, who were like, Oh, I'm so psyched to hear that you don't believe in God, whatever. Right. And then the other 30% were people who were like, I'm very concerned about your soul. I will pray for your safety. Mm-hmm. Like, or, you know, he with a capital H looks over you, even sure. though you have spurned his love. Right. You know, I'm like, whatever. Well, there but was like fine, a, you know? there was like a, I, it gave me this feeling that, that you might've been one of these public climbers that they could feel good, you know, sort of religious, clean living people could be like, well, he's not a total hedonist. You know, he's not out there. Yeah, but they can still think that, you know, because yeah. even without God, I'm totally sure. clean living. Like, yeah. I don't do drugs. I don't, you know, I don't drink, whatever. I'm right. just like, I'm basically Mormon without God. You know? <laughs> like, actually, <laughs> yeah. You know, that's like, funny you say that because yeah. you do remind me of that. That's actually. the thing is, I You're mean, I basically, yeah, like, yeah, I'm hey. just like, yeah, I'm like a Mormon dude, except right. that I don't believe in God. Right that's on. fine. Well, why know? did you um, feel like it was important to be involved in that, that book project? I occasionally go on like reading kicks or little mm-hmm. academic pursuits, let's say, because mm-hmm. I dropped out of college, you know, I got to learn something. Right. And so um, maybe five years ago. Um, I went on like an atheist kick, kind of when all those books were popular, The God Delusion, like sure. The End of Faith, Letter to a Christian Nation, like all the, you know, God is Not Great, the Hitchens, Hitchens book, mm-hmm. The God Delusion, the Dawkins stuff. And I, and then I'd also gone on this like evolution kick because I was dating a chick who was like an evolutionary biologist or whatever. Okay. And so, um, and those obviously kind of go hand in hand because like the more you look at humans as like a, another animal species that have evolved, like the less spiritual you can be about it, I think. Uh-huh. So, you know, I'd spent a lot of time reading all those things. And, uh, you know, and I was always kind of interested in the whole subject. And then, uh, so this book project, this atheist book project approached me. Actually, I think the guy just emailed me kind of to suss out, like, you know, do you believe in God? You know, and right. I was like, actually, I'd be psyched to participate in your huh. project. And so his book project was um, a coffee table book that's um, looking at, like, interesting atheists who are leading, like, rich, full lives despite the absence of God, you know. 
which I think is a totally worthy thing to look at because I just think it's kind of silly to for religious people to be like, oh, you know, your life is so empty without his presence. Sure. And I'm like, you know, my life is pretty rich and full, like mm-hmm. even without his presence. So I thought it was a cool project and right. I got involved with it. I think, I mean, I think it's a totally legitimate project, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think even a religious person can get behind that kind of thing. Cause basically it's just like showing that people can lead good lives. Even if you're devout, like super, super religious. I mean, if someone's leading like a rich life as an atheist, like, you know, you should still support that. Absolutely. Just like I still support a religious person if they're leading like a good life, you know. Yeah, well, that's always been the thing that struck me. And I call myself rather atheist. I haven't really taken a stand on yeah, it either way. Whatever. But is that, yeah, I mean, this this sort of question of of morality, you know, that whole thing. Like, I can still lead a good life and make good choices without the ramifications of hell. Yeah, exactly. Or those sorts of things. Exactly. And I don't see why a, a mature adult couldn't do that yeah you know you choose to do the right thing because it's the right thing to yeah do. exactly and exactly. It, the feedback you get from that makes you happy and mm-hmm. that's you know that's enough so mm-hmm. to speak so yeah but yeah I mean, it, it's definitely something that i think sets you a little bit apart just being vocal about it within because yeah. i mean you're you are this public figure and as you just i said, mean it's one of those things that i wouldn't go off on too much sure. you know like mm-hmm. i'm not going to be like ranting anti-religious sure. you know whatever but, um, but you know, I think that kind of thing is important. Mm-hmm. I think it was a cool mm-hmm. project that right. I support. And so, you know, I mean, what's the point in having like a fan page and all that if you don't support the projects that you're interested in? Right. You know? and, it, and also like if you're, again, like a, an adult who has thoughts, like yeah, exactly. why not express I mean, them? Yeah, know? totally. And you give know? us some depth to who you are. Yeah. So. Just like, I mean, I don't mind religious people responding with, you know, mm-hmm. when they respond with something intelligent, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to just like whatever. Well, what, what, when you said you, you, you dropped out of university, obviously, to become a full-time climber. Yeah. And you said you're doing these sort of these sort of intellectual pursuits. What other things could you? Well, point so the to last recently? year I've been on like the environmental reading kick. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed which, that too, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Um, so it was just like a bunch of environmental stuff, and then energy policy. I kind of went on this oil kick with like the end of oil, oil on mm-hmm. the brain, like the quest, a bunch of like big, you know, nonfictions and stuff. It's all nonfiction. I mean, I'm I've always been like interested in the world around me, and you know how it actually works out i don't know i'm still working my way in the environmental one like right. that's recently segued into a nutrition diet type uh meat stuff haven't eaten meat in like a month oh right on which uh which i'm actually i feel pretty good about because environmentally it's obviously like the clear choice but you know i mean environmentally like being vegan is like the way forward but i'm like not there yet i don't care enough i like cheese and stuff and i read a bunch of diet stuff that just seemed pretty compelling that for like long-term health it's probably better not to eat meat so right that, but anyway, so I mean, it's all just kind of this pursuit of learning, right? Know? But well, I think also it helps when I travel a lot. When you go on trips, you know, it's pretty easy to pound through like four big books, right? Like, in terms of of your lifestyle, you're still living in your van for the most part. Yeah, I'm still using my van. I mean, the thing is now, uh, like these different events that I've been at, you know, they'll put me up in a hotel or sure. something, which is pretty cool. And nice. um, but I stay in my van when when I'm in the states, you know. Do you have a big bag of free shampoos in your van? <laughs> Actually, I don't even. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Though the the condo thing I was at in Vail didn't have. A, I should have stolen the towels. Well, but, be careful. Yeah. You know, you take the robe or something like that. You yeah. get like a three hundred dollar bill for well, it. Well, so. no, they didn't even have my card. It's all just on the. Uh, oh right. On the, yeah, exactly. So it's, it's all, all on good. the underhills. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, so in the sixty minutes piece, and and I think in most people who want to talk to you about this eventually ask you about the idea that a lot of people see an inevitability in, in 
free soloing the way you do and that inevitability is falling at one point or another in the 60 minutes piece you know you respond in the way i've heard you respond before that you don't really see it that way and you're in control and it's something that you're you're sort of dealing Mm -hmm. with but then you go on to say yeah well i don't see myself doing it forever so that made me leap to wondering what do you see yourself doing well so i mean i do see myself climbing forever and Uh probably even soloing forever right but i just don't see myself doing the high end like pushing you know pushing free soloing forever because you know at some point and maybe you know maybe it'll be a long time maybe it'll be really soon but at some point i just won't have the fire for it right you know i'll be like oh that just looks scary you know (laughs) i want to climb with a rope you know and and that's fine like that doesn't that doesn't bother me right but um you know, so I'll certainly climb and like, you know, walk around in the mountains for my whole life. Sure. But, um, but I think my interests are slowly broadening, you know, cause already just over the last couple of years, you know, five years ago, I only thought about climbing and sequences and like on my rest days, I would have literally nothing to do. And I would just like go for a walk and I would like think about routes that I was working on and uh-huh. I would like memorize sequences. And, and now, I mean, I freaking never have that kind of thing. You know, now I'm like, I constantly have juggling different projects and like, and I'm like more interested in the, the rest of the world and, you know, real life, what I consider real life, sure. you know, stuff outside of climbing. And so, um, I sort of think that, you know, that I'll continue to broaden that kind of stuff. And there'll be a time when, when like hard free soloing just isn't as important to me. Sure. You know? And at some point I'll probably have a family and everything too, you know, mm-hmm. but we'll see. How old are you? I'm 27. 27. It's a lot of living. When I say some point, I mean like 15 years. Right. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> not wait like that long. You'll be really tired like I am. Uh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> but you, yeah, you've done a lot of living in 27 years. So I know, I know. Sometimes it makes me tired to think about it. Because I figure I can probably keep this up for at least like 10 more years. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes even just thinking that like makes me feel tired. You know, right. like constantly hustling from one trip to another and climbing as much as I can, but also doing events and then. Like while I'm doing events, trying to hit the gym, you know, just so I can at least like stay fit while I'm, while I'm doing all these crazy things. Sure. And like, it makes me tired. <laughs> yeah. No, I know yeah. the feeling for sure. Yeah. You know, and, and like you just were, use the word hustling and, uh, I'm sure it feels like that at the moment with sometimes with the events and yeah. sort of trying to string, you know, string a living together. Cause mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everybody's always curious about what it means to be a, a sponsor. Well, it's not just stringing together a living. It's also just trying to like maximize this opportunity in a way, sure. you know, because like in a lot of ways I've been given this gift of like this professional climbing lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it'd be kind of a shame for me not to take advantage of it, sure. you know, because being able to travel and do all these cool events and like go to all these places, like I just got to ski veil for two days, you know? Right. And I would never be able to afford veil otherwise. So, I mean, yeah. you know, it's kind of <laughs> cool. It's kind of cool to be able to do an event where, you know, I get to check out this amazing mountain and go to a cool place like that. And I mean, you know, so I feel almost obligated to like do as much of this kind of stuff as I can while I have the opportunity, sure. you know? Sure. Yeah. Cause in 30 years when I have to pay for Vail, I'll be like, Oh man, yeah, right. <laughs> like that sucks. So, uh, what's your skiing like right now? <laughs> oh, my skiing is very marginal. Is that Yo, something new for you? Well, so I learned probably when I was like 23 or 24, okay. so only a couple of years. Right. And I don't think, I haven't even experienced winter in two years. Right. You know, because I've been uh, like overseas on trips and things like that. Mm-hmm. When I saw snow, I was like, oh man, I hate snow. But Well, it's funny because I learned to ski about the same age later oh, yeah. in life. And, and uh, I remember at that time I was really wrapped up in climbing and it was a huge part of my ego, mm-hmm. you know, and I wasn't hot shit or anything but i sort of felt like i was yeah, yeah. but it was at the right age where you're just like i'm rad yeah, you know? yeah yeah but i found that with skiing i was like almost completely egoless like i knew i was terrible yeah i actually I, kind of agree you know yeah, like that's <laughs> i started in alta 
uh, and I was living up there. I just got a mm. job up there and said, all right, I'm going to learn how to ski. And so, you know, my reference group, the people around me was Everyone rad. was really good. Yeah. yeah that's so the thing is. I was know. terrible. Yeah. You know. And it was sort of, I remember thinking it was kind of a relief to like, yeah. to step out of this like idiot ego self and be just like, I'm terrible. Like, it's Yeah, fun, no, I totally you hear know? you actually. Yeah, because the thing with skiing is that even if you're not that great, it's pretty fun, you know, because mm-hmm. you just go ripping down like mm-hmm. groomers or something and you feel like a hero and you're sure. like, oh, it's so fun. Sure. You know, and you don't have to worry about like, yeah, performing or anything. Right. Everyone's better than you and you're just like, that's fine, you know. Right. Yeah, I mean, when I ride the chairlift, I look at everyone else skiing, and for the most part, I'm like, oh, they're all better than me. Right. You know, but part of that's probably because I can't tell. Because I have no. Well, like <laughs> yesterday, I saw this guy with his legs splayed like the splits, bombing down the mountain with both his poles in the air, like fully out of control, right. like about to wreck. I watched him all the way down. I was like, oh my God, that guy's not going to make it. You know, so occasionally you see someone who might be worse right, than you. Right. At least I got, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I take that guy. I was like, out, better than that guy. There, so. But yeah, anyway. Well, that's awesome that you're sort of expanding your horizons and, uh, you know. and taking a little time time to uh, learn something else. The, I mean, and part of it, though. 17 days of do, going skiing instead. Well, part of it also is um, for climbing in the future because hopefully I'll go to Alaska this year for this trip. And, um, okay. And I just want to at least feel comfortable, like, skinning up to the base of things, you know. Mm-hmm. If I'm ever going to climb in bigger mountains, like, I got to at least be able to walk on snow, you know. Sure. So we'll see. So is that something that you aspire to then? Do you ever see yourself for, like, a Patagonia guy or any of those sorts of things? Um, it's hard to say, you know, right. cause I do, I mean, it's probably the same as any climber. I see like pictures of Patagonia and I'm like, that's inspiring. Like mm-hmm. those are really rad. But then I see a photo of the snow mushroom on top and I'm like, I don't want to climb yeah, that, right. you know, like that sucks. That's and so, uh, you know, so I go to Mexico and sport climb instead, you know, right, right. Someday I probably will do some of that stuff. Yeah. You're, you're definitely a band after my heart. It's the same <laughs> yeah. thing. I'm like, yeah, there's warm and there's, there's that's suffering. the thing is like, I'd rather climb walls in the middle East, you know, like, sure. you know, the stuff that you did in, in Jordan or like you know, go to Oman or whatever, uh-huh. where it's all nice and sunny and you, you know, it's just a different kind of adventure. Yeah. It's too bad that none of the like 5,000 foot granite big walls are in sunny, you know, like in the middle of the world. Like those of on really the huge ones, like up in ba- or, uh, Baffin and that yeah. sort of thing. And yeah. Greenland and then like right. in, uh, in uh, Pakistan, you know, all the stuff in the Baltoro, like, yeah, it's too bad those are all just freaking freezing and, you know, 20,000 feet and whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's I guess like, it's, that's what's so special about Yosemite, right? I mean, that's you know, the thing is, like, I honestly like, you know, the accessibility of Yosemite, the fact that you can go down and go to a restaurant that you have cell service the whole time and, you you know, and for me, it's close to my family and everything. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I like that. Like, I don't want to be sitting in a tent in Pakistan when I could be, like, going to a restaurant in the valley, you right. know? It's like... <laughs> Spraying outside yeah, like, of Deegan's. Yeah, totally. <laughs> no, but, like, you know, eating goat on a glacier in Pakistan, like, just... just I mean, there is an adventure to it, and I probably mm-hmm. will do that at some mm-hmm. point, but, um... You know, it's just not something that I could see myself doing season after season. Right. Whereas Yosemite, right. I can always go back because it's just so, it's easy living, you know. Yeah. Well, who knows where your climbing will take you. I mean, if you're going to do it your whole life, it, yeah, there's totally. a point at which, you know, some of these other things may become very appealing. Yeah, no, I, I'm fully, I so, totally agree. You know, I might get super psyched on ice climbing, you know, who knows. Right. Like, I mean, I can't really imagine that happening, but it could. Uh-huh. Yeah. We'll see. You got anything in your immediate future you're thinking about? I might go back to Mexico next month. Okay. And then there are a bunch of random projects like traveling and stuff for the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I might do a bike tour with Cedar this summer, which I'm pretty psyched about. <laughs> I actually think it'd be super fun. <laughs> it'd be um, super fun. Well, like that's thing. Uh, like we were thinking about biking around the Cascades and like climbing some of the mountains and stuff. Oh, okay, cool. Which you know I think would be kind of a cool adventure, right? And probably a trip to Alaska with Renan and uh, and Freddie Wilkinson and um, you know just yeah trips like that. I was just, when I think about the rest of the year, I get tired again, because <laughs> there's also like all these different film projects and there's like, 
actually i'll probably go to south africa for like six weeks for this other um for this really cool trad climbing tour thing but also mm-hmm. i think they'll film it but um i'm just like oh my god you know it makes me tired <laughs> right on sometimes right on it's funny though because it's like how do you take a vacation from your life which is a vacation you know what i mean right like, yeah yeah it's probably hard to, to, to complain too much I yeah think. that's the thing well, yeah i mean i'm never complaining it's just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all right well thanks alex i really appreciate you coming over we're gonna go to a little skinning party tonight up uh, on buttermilk so that should be a lot of fun yeah i'm looking forward to it and we have our uh, are we skiing down with headlamps yes all right, we'll see how that works out for me. Oh, it won't be too <laughs> yeah. bad, I bet. The yeah, other, but it's at the resort, though, right? Yeah, so it'll, be on, like, it'll be on a groomer. Oh, yeah, so for sure. Oh, it'll I'm be gonna, rock hard. Groomer, that's fine. I'm going to bomb it, down that Because it's uh, going to freeze yeah, up. But, yeah, yeah. You know. That's fine. The, the fun thing is that a bunch of people will drink too much. Oh, forgetting, yeah. Forgetting yeah. where they are. So. <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> so perfect. That might work out. Yeah, and we got our five-point thing. I want to get a little uh, shout-out, even though this will come out, out after this event. But um, we're going to be working on an event tomorrow night in Aspen for the five point film festival so by the time this comes out we'll be looking forward to the one in april at least i will be i don't know if you'll be around i'll be in who knows where i'll be in europe yeah right all right thanks again alex yeah thanks for having me it's fun all right folks thanks for listening to alex honnold in his own words if you have questions or comments or anything else to tell me about your listening experience at the Enormacast, please feel free to email me chris at enormacast.com or leave comments at the website enormacast.com. That's all I have for you today. We'll see you on the flip side of my Columbia trip. Have a great month and don't forget to check your knot even if you're doing that awful, painful, horrible pursuit we call ice climbing. Check your knots. you have a, a philosophy or a creed that you live by? Well, Mark, you know, personally, I like to think about sex and drugs and rock and roll, you know, that's yeah. my life. If you could not play rock and roll, what would you do? As long as there's, you know, sex and drugs, I can do without a rock and roll.